Welcome to The Laneway, where we delve into all things health, fitness, lifestyle, and sustainable fat loss. But coming at you with an unbiased, educational, and hopefully entertaining approach. Guys, welcome to episode five. In this episode, we start off with chatting about our week of coffee. Then we have a random conversation about Kindle versus paperback books and which we prefer, the pros and cons to both, and also briefly touch on my visit to the doctor about my sleep issues. Then we head straight into the Q&A. When is it appropriate to use drop sets? Question number two is, I have a fat loss phase leading into a holiday. Do you count your calories while you're on holidays personally? And what do you do when you get back from holidays? Do you go straight to maintenance or more of a calorie deficit? Question number three, my top five exercises to build muscle. Question number four, do I really need a reverse diet? And then lucky last, question number five, protein. How much do I actually need and what are some ways to increase it? And we are live. What is this? Episode five. We say that we need a big piece of paper. At the start of every single episode, we're like, which episode is this again? It's crazy because when we got to episode three, I don't know if I told you. Me or them? No, you. Oh, what? That I was talking about it like it was episode four. I was like, episode four, and I actually said it somewhere on social media, and when I created like an image, I actually put episode four, and it was episode three. And is that the one you uploaded as episode four? On the actual Apple podcast. Yes. It said. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is five. Yeah, this is five. And this one could be a bit slower than normal. Ash has forced us to take a break from coffee. (laughs) <laughs> that is a lie. What? It's true. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you guys uh, watched earlier in the week. On Monday, I may have looked a little bit sad on my Insta stories because Brad wants a week off. Co- well, we've done pretty much a week off coffee. It's Thursday. Yeah. Like, we've done a week. Should we get one now? No. We've got to wait. We've got to at least get to a Friday. Um, but, yeah, Brad decided he wanted the week off coffee. Uh, Maybe you can tell people why. Um, We had a discount code at Merlot that was taken away from us. (laughs) That is such a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. We've still got it. So there's no discount code. Okay. So the easiest way to go about this, coffee makes me feel unwell. I don't know what it is, but I I think I'm probably not supposed to. You know, you have something like you're lactose intolerant or whatever, which I actually am lactose intolerant and I still have lactose until I get the farts and then I don't have lactose <laughs> for a while. And it's the same with coffee. I will go for a while having coffee and then after a while I just feel unwell. I feel really like sick, to be honest, sick, right? Yeah. So what I used to, I never used to drink coffee as much as I do now. We have a coffee every single day. Yes, but we don't, we don't, we're not excessive coffee drinkers, which is my argument. We do have one coffee a day, which yeah. you would think is fine. Unless you've got like an intolerance or some shit. Yes, yes, exactly. I don't know what the problem is, but I used to just have one a week, a couple of weeks, something like that, and it'd be fine. I never had an issue. And then now that I have one every single day, it does get to the point I feel unwell. So I've had to take, not had to, I've decided to take a whole week off of it. And, well... I, Brad needed my support. I begged for your support. <laughs> the amount of times you'll go to leave, you'll go to do school drop off. I'll be here working or f- probably sleeping. And you'll be like, I'll be like, babe, today I do not want a coffee. I'm not getting a coffee. I know I shouldn't have them. 
today's the day I'm taking the break from the coffee and the door will hardly close. I'll be like, babe, <laughs> babe, <laughs> get me a coffee. That is so true. I like, can't help it. And then if you walk back with one and I don't have one, so, yeah, you support, you're my like – yeah, you're my partner in crime in it this week. <laughs> support, support partner. Yeah, support partner. So, yeah, so I've decided to do it with Brad. I think we got to about 10 o'clock on Monday. So we actually didn't have a coffee by choice on Sunday. Um, I just actually, for the first time in far out, I don't even know, just didn't feel like one. I just wanted juice. And I was hungover. And Brad was hungover. So, <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, the, all of our listeners are going to think that you're you're some kind of crazy alcoholic. I'm not crazy. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, so we had the juice and then – so we didn't have one on Sunday, which was fine. By Monday, like that is my morning routine. By 10 o'clock, Brad's like, you know what, let's just get a coffee. And I was like, no, bro. Like, we committed to this. Like, I'm the type of person when you commit to something, you say it out aloud, that's it. It's happening. Yes. There's no going back. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, I've said that I'm having a coffee on Saturday. I said that when I started. That'll be a week. That'll be, <clears throat> well, technically that's six days because I didn't have one on Sunday. But I said for the week. Oh, uh, the week. The week, which yep. is, yeah, Friday and the Sunday was a bonus. Okay. I'll, anyway. wait, I'll wait till Monday. I'll do it properly. Okay. <laughs> I'm having one on Saturday. <laughs> Can you describe how it tastes? Yeah, I will. I'll let you know. And the other part to it is coffee for me, well, I, I don't know how many people this is, I think this is pretty common that it's an appetite suppressant. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, it happens to me all the time. Like I usually have a coffee in the morning and then I don't eat until about 10 o'clock or roughly. Yeah. yeah. So if I'm in a fat loss phase, if Cheryl's got a pool party <laughs> in the Himalayas that we've got to get ready for, then if I go into fat loss phase, I'll have a coffee in the morning and that gets me through to like lunchtime, which is awesome when you're in a fat loss phase. But if you're in like a main gain phase or any other phase other than a fat loss phase, I find it has actually the opposite effect. I struggle to get my protein in for the day because if I don't get, you know, if, if you miss 30 or 40 grams from breakfast, it can be, you play, you do play catch up a bit. Then you find you're trying to use supplements like bars you know and then i'll get to lunchtime and i'm sort of like i'm kind of hungry but i'm not hungry so my food choices might be a bit shitter as well you know i might have something that's more flavorsome so more so than nutritious whereas i find if i skip the coffee i'll start eating early i'll have some avocado egg white omelets or something reasonable and that sort of seems to get my metabolism going and then by the time it's 10 o'clock i'll have something else nutritious and then i don't mind by the time it's midday if I'm having chicken and salad or, you know, what do we have today? What did I have? Ch- chicken drumsticks chicken and... Chicken and salad, and actually. S- and salad. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I don't mind. Like, it's not as big of a deal. But I just find when I have that coffee, I don't know, it just seems to have a domino effect sometimes. And I think that's, like, it's awesome that Brad's super self-aware. Like, I don't mind the effect that it has for me. Like, you know, delaying my breakfast is not is, is not something that I'm too concerned about. I don't have an issue getting my protein in. It doesn't affect the way that my food choices are but with Brad it is and I think that's just something that you know if you hadn't tracked or if you hadn't um, done your like your weekly wins tracker which if you don't know what that is is just we track what the mood our mood is like sleep um, daily digestion strength and all that kind of stuff if you hadn't done that you probably wouldn't be have been as super self-aware as you are yeah 100% so yeah I think I mean it's not a bad thing 
No. So, yeah, so that's nearly there. But um, on top of us struggling to – well, actually, <laughs> on top of us struggling to be awake for this podcast, we're not actually, to be honest, we're doing absolutely fine – but it's a miracle because you we won't go all the way into this because I think we spoke about your sleep during the last podcast. Yeah. By the time we get the next podcast, we'll probably have the outcome with your sleep. So yeah. we won't deep dive into this. But your sleep had been improving, long story short. And then last night you didn't sleep actually for a second. No, not at all last night. And it was, yeah. And the week, the night before actually was, I got two hours. So in the last two days, I've had two hours sleep and it is actually a miracle that I'm, that I'm here talking, smiling. I feel, I do actually feel a little bit slow today, but I, all things considered, don't feel too bad. You've been doing good. I've been waiting for you to morph into a fucking superhero or something. (laughs) You're having two hours sleep and you're just like, sunshine, lolly, (laughs) like everything's just totally normal. I'm like, this is how superhero movies start. Like, you know, you remember Gremlins and it got, you feed them too. Like, like I'm waiting for something to happen. <laughs> I honestly, it is a miracle. I don't, I don't know. Someone actually said that to me the other day on social media. She's like, hey, Ash, I'm just wondering, are you napping during the day? I'm like, no. She's like, how do you not look tired? And how are you still like so happy and bubbly? I'm like, I actually have no idea. You got those good hair genetics. Oh, the good hair genetics. But we've been doing... um. We've been focusing on things to help a little bit. So you've been supporting me with the coffee. Yes. I've been supporting you. So part of your sleep, trying to get some sleep, is staying up a little bit later and a few other bits and pieces. Yeah. And I have been having the best sleeps ever. It's so crazy. So what we have been doing is effectively it does genuinely work for for good sleep and it's just – it's shown because Brad's having the best sleeps ever – because yeah. he's supporting me, obviously, with doing what everything that I'm doing. But yeah. unfortunately, it's but, just um, happening. But blood test book for you tomorrow. Yes. Um, should have the results early next week. So by the time episode five comes out or we record episode five or whatever, we should have a bit more info on have some answers. whether you're mutating into some <laughs> kind of superwoman or not. Yes, hopefully. But you've been feeling some of that time. Actually, I wanted to ask you this because I try and force technology on you at any opportunity that I can and you wander around a bookshop like an old lady. Did you – but I made you use my Kindle. Yes. What do you think? I I really enjoyed it. In short, like if you look at the overall, the pros and cons, yes, I really enjoyed it and I probably won't go back to the bookshop. There are pros and cons like – I love turning a page. I love fold, like some people would have a heart attack at this, but I often will fold a page over if I want to come back and read that page. And you can't do that on a Kindle and that annoys the shit out of me. Yeah. But it's much nicer to hold. Like last night I attempted going to bed and then couldn't fall asleep. So I got back up and I read and it, like I didn't have to turn a light on. Like, you know, so – for, for that perspective, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And did you know you can highlight? Yes, I did know that you can highlight. But you know the thing that, freak, like, not freaks me out, but annoys the shit out of me is that you, like, if you want to... Oh, is that a... Sw- we're going to have to put an E on this one for all your swearing. <laughs> Explicit. Like, to tap back, then, I, like, I'm going to lose my page. Tap back on what? Like go back on pages like say I need to go I'm like oh where did I highlight that and I've got to search for my highlighted piece oh there's a thing to go just so you highlighted you're kidding me no so that way say 
if there's 10 parts of the book that you have highlighted a paragraph throughout it, you can actually go and just review those highlights and you can actually review other people's highlights. You're kidding. No. So they'll, I don't know exactly how it works. Someone else listening might know, but you'll be reading sometimes and the paragraph looks partially highlighted and it'll say under it 338 highlights. I think that must be like other people's highlights. You're kidding. So you must be able to get a book and just read the highlighted parts. Oh, there you go. No more folding pages (laughs) for old Ashley. (laughs) You might have to get me my own Kindle. Well, there's a new one out. Oh, well, of course, you'll be all over that. (laughs) (laughs) That was good timing, wasn't it? The new one has got like a yellow or like an orange light. So you know how your phone, you can set to turn to night mode? Yes. Like an iPhone, it must go black or something. I don't have it because it's weird, but you can do the same with the Kindle. You can set it to go to night mode. So instead of it being so white, it it actually goes all the way to orange, but I don't think you'd read it that orange, but you can make it like off-white, like a page. Yeah, I was, might have seen a couple of reviews. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, I'm sure we'll have one of those tomorrow. And um, what else can it do? It can, you can play it to your car, like it, and you can play the audio version from your Kindle, Bluetooth through your car, I saw as well. To like an audio book. I think you just turn your normal book to an audio book now You're or something. Me. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll find out when it shows up. <laughs> but, but we'd just like to thank Kindle for this episode. Not really. Um, cool. Cool. You want to get into the questions? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think should we – we'll toss a coin. I'm going to grab a to- coin. We'll toss a coin. Let's not do it on the table today. Can we, I think it added value. I think it was good. <laughs> okay. It was like authentic. Guys, cover your ears. Cover your ears. Here comes the coin. All right, you ready? I'm going to flip it. Go. A, this one's a five center, so <laughs> it might be better. Last one was like a $1. It was super heavy. It was really loud. So this one's, you have to call it when it's in the air. Okay. Ready? Three. Two, one. Tails. It's heads. So That means I win. So I'm going to choose to read the first question. Yeah. And you can answer it. Sick. You ready? Yep. All right. Question number one. When is it appropriate to use drop sets? I want to try and refrain from saying, good question. Oh, yeah. Oops. Because <laughs> every single question, I'm like, good, that's a good question. These are always good questions. They always are. Let's be real. All right. Um, so, good question. Good question. <laughs> um, so, basically, maybe we should start. For those people that don't know what a drop set is, basically, it it's is... It's when you drop the weight on your toe. <laughs> it's not really. It, please don't drop the weights in, in a gym. It's considered bad... Uh, juju juju or bad etiquette gym etiquette don't drop your weights guys um uh, but basically a drop set is where you start with a certain weight so let's just use chest press as an example or bench press um and you go to absolute fatigue with that weight and then you drop the weight to a lighter load and then continue to push out as many more reps as you can with the with the lighter load um so is that with no rest when you say to fatigue so if you do a set of 10 one yep. set of 10 yeah and you've got three sets to do do you mean you do all three sets at 60 kilos and on your third set you only drop that set or do you drop every set? You would drop every set. So if you're doing drop sets, you would do, yeah, every all three sets. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, you use a lighter load. And basically what it is, it's it's a method um, or, or a high-intense technique 
Uh, I mean, it should only be used intermittently. Um, so I think the question was like, when is it appropriate? I mean, you can always phase this style of training um, into your into your programming, um, but I wouldn't. I'd say not to use it any for any longer than say three to four weeks. When you first implement uh, implement that kind of training, even drop sets and supersets are quite similar um, with that high intense technique but when you um, do first start doing it you'll notice that you'll get quite a bit of a pump because it is a new stimulus and you might not you might actually even notice some some muscle growth as well um, but that effect will tend to wear off after about three to four weeks um, so that's when you would switch to something different after that uh, most of, like I said before, most of your training should be periodized. Um, so usually speaking, your programming should change every three to six weeks. But with this high, this higher intense method, I would say no longer than three to four weeks before um, moving on to a different training phase. I think that that might be where people caught get or used to get caught out or sometimes get caught out. So as you said, you might do them and notice muscle growth. Yeah. And of course, if you get an instant result from something, the natural response is to keep doing it. Totally. Right? And I think that's where drop sets became super, super popular is people would do a drop set. They'd either A, get the pump, which is if you know what the pump is and you walk out of the gym feeling like the Hulk – it's the best. I love that feeling. It is the best feeling ever. So either A, just getting the pump or B, actual, actually getting uh, muscle hypertrophy from training in that stimulus during those early three, four, five, six weeks. But then, of course, your body will adapt to any stimulus that you put it under, including drop sets. And so you might lose value out of those. And I think that's where the importance of phasing comes from, right? Yeah. If, even with drop sets. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, I mean, I would, to be honest, I'd personally put it in more of like that high rep category. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we've spoken about on the podcast the different phases that we want, run through strength, um, hypertrophy, and then sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, which is generally a high rep kind of training style. Um, that's when I would, I would most likely program them, them in alongside when we kind of do supersets and stuff like that. Actually, I haven't done drop sets in ages. You know what? Neither have I. We should program some. We should. We should. That sounds fun, actually. That was a nice quick question. Yeah. Very good. All right. So, well, that means that I get to start with asking question number two, um, which I had a bit of a sneaky peek before we got on here. And this is kind of cool because I think Brad and I have different ideals on this. So, the question is, I have a fat loss... Um, phase leading into a holiday do you count your calories while you're on holidays personally and what do you do when you get back from holidays go straight to maintenance or uh, more of a calorie deficit this there's like four questions in one and I think there's for how short the last answer was I think we're about to make up for it (laughs) because number one we're going to have probably different answers but there's also a lot of depends in here First things first, let's start with let's start with do you count your calories while you're on holidays personally? Um, it depends on the holiday. I think if you are going to Cheryl's pool party in Bali and you're going to sit by the pool for a week drinking cocktails, eating food off the menu, so chips and all that sort of junk kind of food that are higher in calories than what you might normally be eating – I think it's a good idea in that sense, especially what's a, how many ca- how many calories in a cocktail? 
Oh, it depends what you're getting, but starting at about 200 calories, like that's probably you'd be, a lightish you'd be getting, cocktail. Yeah, if you got 200 calories, you'd be doing really well. Yeah. So you probably, it would be very easy to double your calories over that week while you're away depending how far how long you've gone for so i think that if your holiday type is that that could very easily double or triple or quadruple your calories then i would say track even if you don't stick to your exact calories that you're set in your plan at least track so that when you do come back you can have a look at the data and you can reset yourself and you know where to go from there would you yeah, look, to be honest, I I do agree and I think it's – I actually personally think it's quite dependent on the person. Right. On, on the type of person that you are because if you ask – so for you, for example, you don't have – honestly, like apart from having maybe one too many cocktails from time to time, do love a cocktail, um, you don't have an issue with overeating. You know, like you don't have – um, someone put a platter of food in front and you go to town and you can't stop. You are, you'll stop when you're full. Yeah. You have very good, like your, for your mindful and intuitive eating, you don't have that. Whereas no. a lot of people listening, and I'm talking about me previously, if that was put in front of me, I'd eat everything until I felt ill. Yeah. Um, so I think it depends on the type of person that you, that you are and like you said, the type of holiday as well. Um, I like the idea of tracking to stay or keep within awareness. So you're saying track the data so when you get back, you know where you're at, which I think is a really good idea. But I also think it's really good awareness on day to day. Like, holy shit. Oh, that's two <laughs> swear words out of you. you <laughs> this whole not sleeping thing. Hey, I'm superwoman apparently. <laughs> yes. Superwoman is allowed to swear. That's not what the S stands for. You're kidding. No. <sighs> um, yeah, so I look, I think I don't even know where I was awareness, going. Awareness. Yeah, yeah, awareness on that day-to-day basis of like, oh, that's where I was going. Holy S balls. I have had a thousand calories worth of cocktails. Yeah, and that's like, three drinks. That's excessive. You yeah. know, like maybe I shouldn't go to town on uh, the pizza plus the dessert tonight. Pick your battles. Exactly. Yeah. And that's something that I personally do. Actually, when we went to Bali, like Bali was our last proper holiday. Yep. Um, where we actually did a fat loss phase. Both of us did a fat loss phase coming into Bali. It was yeah. really, really fun. Had a fantastic time away. Had awesome time with food and stuff like that. But we picked our battles while we we're there. And this is something that I'm so big on. I'm like, okay, I mean, so, something that Brad and I speak about quite often. I'm like, you don't have to eat like an a-hole, okay? You don't have to eat everything that's put in front of you pick something for the day. You might know that, you know what, tomorrow we're going out for breakfast to this amazing cafe and they've got these like awesome looking pancakes on their Instagram page and I just really want to indulge in those. Well, if you're going to have those pancakes, they're probably going to be a thousand calories, let's be honest. That also then would lead into lunch, cocktails and dinner. If you're going to have that amazing pancakes for breakfast, then maybe pick you know, something lighter for lunch. Maybe it is a steak with some veggies or a chicken salad or something like that. Hold off on the juice. You know, don't get your pancakes and your juice because then there's an extra two, three, maybe 400 calories. Um, and then when you go out for dinner, do something something lighter again. 
Or flip it on the, the other side. You know that tonight you're going out to um, where's that? Where's somewhere really, really good in Bali that we really like? Uh, what's the rib? I was thinking the rib place. The rib place because ribs are, of course, super high in calories. It used to be called Naughty Nuri's, but it's not that anymore. I forget. <sighs> Anyway, anyways, sh- shout out to our sponsor, Naughty Neurons. <laughs> They're not called that anymore. Um, so yeah, ribs are probably a thousand calorie meal. Well, when you go out for breakfast, instead of getting the pancakes, the big pancakes and the smoothie on the side, grab a coffee or if you're not having coffee, don't grab a coffee. Um, black, just get the black, black coffee. Black, get the black coffee, decaf if you want, and have an omelette. And you know what, guys? So many people are like, oh, they didn't have that on the menu. Ask Ask, guys. The amount of times we've got egg white omelettes. In the last 10 years, babe, we have travelled halfway across the world and we order what's not on the menu. Day three, they just see you there and they're like, egg white omelettes? Four four egg white omelette or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if you're going to a country where their language is, their English is not their first language, hey, they can be a little bit of... Yeah, take your own chicken. Yeah. (laughs) Pack it in your suitcase. Um. Yeah, so I mean that's that's kind of how you do it. You pick pick which is going to be your indulgent meal and the rest of the meals kind of stay a little bit lighter and then tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow it might be awesome. I'm going to have this amazing lunch. It's about being super aware. I think when you go on holidays you think effort. Um, you drink the bar, you eat all of the food, which I think is important to enjoy yourself. It's important to make memories, but the food's going to be there tomorrow. It, it's not like when you get home, you're still going to be able to enjoy food. You won't be any happier. You, you no. know, you know, happier uh, going absolutely ham on all the drinks and all the food and feeling like a fat pig next to the, next to the pool than you are picking one or two meals or picking your battles or drinking and having a salad for lunch or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you have done that. Like you... I mean, there has been times where you're like, I feel fat, like sitting beside the pool. Yeah. But for the most part, we are very, I guess, in tune with when you're full, when you're hungry, not just eating for the sake of it because it's there, that kind of stuff, which it's hard because food is very palatable. Yeah. You know, like it looks amazing. We we uh, pick food with our eyeballs and... Yeah, we don't take any second consideration into how heavy or how dense, calorie dense it could be. And before you know it, it is so easy to eat 5,000 calories. Or drink it. Or drink it. Yes. If you're Brad. Yes. That takes a snorkel to Bali. <laughs> that was, wasn't that popular? It was very popular. It was a crowd pleaser. It was. Now, the opposite holiday where I would not count my calories. So, during that Bali holiday, I did count my calories. I did go over but I did count them. Yeah. Uh, but I would have chicken. What, what was that meal we would have at the W? Chicken. And oh, we had a chicken salad. Like, like it a- was chicken and veggies. And they had like, you know, I think it had beetroot and tomato. Yes. And, and it was chicken breast. And we actually ordered double chicken breast. Which was probably 100 grams. Yeah. yeah. And it had almonds in it and it had extra virgin olive oil. So you're getting like nutrition. It's keeping you – it is actually keeping you full. So we would generally have a nice brekkie, like egg white omelette, something like that for brekkie, have something like that chicken salad for lunch. I'd be having a beer probably 10, 11 a.m. Try and space them out early on. Try not to get lit too early. Otherwise, you make a poor lunch choice. And then just 
get pissed all afternoon <laughs> and then have like a decent dinner, like yeah. enjoy yourself for dinner. So for me that seemed to work well. Like yeah. I could nearly stick within my calories. I could nearly hit my protein and I didn't feel fat or full, you know, sitting by the pool and I could still have a thousand beers. Yeah, maybe not a thousand, but very close to it. Now the opposite of that where I would not track would be if we go to the snow. So we used to do a family snow holiday every year to Parisha or Threadbow. It might be four days, say, on average, would you say? Yeah, four. I'm sure we go for four days. Four or yeah. five days. So I would not track in that situation because when you go to Bali, the holidays, it's centred, not centred around food, but food makes up a part of the holiday. When you go to the snow, food you've got to eat. So you, you've, you've got to go breakfast, lunch, dinner. Other than that, you're snowboarding. Yeah. So in and you you know you're moving a lot. Your activity level is up quite a lot more compared to usual. So in a situation like that, I probably won't track at the snow. If we go to Japan, say a two week Japan trip, yes, I'll do my best to track, but I can't read Japanese. But other than that, like an Australia snow trip, I'll give it a miss for that. Yeah, and I think even I was going to say when we went last year, but we didn't go last year to Japan. Oh, actually, we didn't get it. We go, didn't go to either. Yeah. Um, but the year before, when we went to Threadbow, I didn't track the time that we were away either. Because um, you're not sitting by a pool, no. ordering cocktails after cocktail, mm. having a snorkel. Yeah, all right, I'll have some ribs. Yeah, all right, I'll have some chicken wings. Oh, yeah, throw some s- s- a side of chips. I'll have another drink. That's very easy to have five, six, seven thousand calories in a day. Whereas at the snow, you're stopping, you'll have some brekkie before you hit the slopes. You snowboard until midday. You stop and have lunch. Okay, it may or may not be the super most nutritious, but really, what's going to be a thousand calories at worst if you have a big burger with fries and a drink? Yeah, and then you've got your, you know, and then you've got dinner. So yeah, exactly. I think, and you like you said, you're moving all day. You're usually not snacking because you are moving all day. And yeah, I feel like you just don't consume as many calories while you are away. When, when you do go to the snow anyway. Now, to answer the question specifically for the person that asked this, they're leading into a holiday after a, I have a fat loss phase leading into a holiday. Yes. This is, in my opinion, the most important time to track. So if you've just listened to everything that we've said and can, depending on what kind of a holiday you're having, whether it's type A or type B, regardless of that, my suggestion would be 100% to track, do everything within your power to track. And the reason for that is you are at the most vulnerable time in your whole, I don't know if cycle's the right word for it, during a reverse diet when you're eating more food, you've got a lot of wiggle room at the start of a fat loss phase and all the way down there's still wiggle room. When you hit the bottom of that fat loss phase, if you go and throw a whole heap of calories back in, depending on how much it is. You know, again, there is some wiggle room, but it's like getting to the top of Everest. You are at the top of Everest. You've summited Everest. You need someone to guide you back down. And it's a similar position to the end of an eight-week challenge or something where you've you've spent all this time dieting and then you see people yo-yo and put the weight back on. And that's the position you're in at the end of a fat loss phase. Not only that, you're on holidays so you're outside of your normal routine yeah totally agree and the other thing is um you have been restricted for so long so you get out of your routine you're on holidays and then people are like oh m- you know making your memories 
I'm all for memories over macros. Exactly. I'm all for making memories. Like I'm a massive believer in making memories, but you can have memories and macros if you cannot be, or if you, um, I shouldn't say if you cannot be trusted, but if you can't trust yourself, if you have just been in a fat loss phase and you have been restricted, the chances of you then going and binging and overeating on everything that you you may have cut out just to allow yourself to have some more food volume in while you have been, I guess, essentially dieting down, then, yeah, there's more chances that you will overeat and put on five kilos in a week. That's a high, You're in the high-risk zone. Yeah, exactly. Yep. The yep. other thing, though, is so there's two ways to approach it. If you have left it too late and you have – gone into a fat loss phase and dieted, I guess, all the way coming into a holiday. Um, That would be, I mean, there is a a slightly better way to do it, I'll tell you in a sec, but you could also plan, and last week we spoke about diet break weeks briefly, I think, if I didn't dream that. I'm sure we spoke about diet breaks. You could plan a diet break week, which we did when we went to Bali. Yes. So... For example, let's say at the lowest point of your fat loss phase, just before you went away, you were at 1,500 calories. Your diet break week should be roughly 1,900 calories a day. 1,900 calories a day is still pretty good. That's another 2,800 for the week. Well, exactly. So, I mean, for, for me, I mean, 1,900 calories is not fantastic to go away with. Like, I personally wouldn't like that, although I did do it when we were in Bali last year. So, I mean, it's not the end of the world. Um, But, yeah, it gives you a little bit more wiggle room if you're tracking it and just trying to be consistent with doing that, then it's bringing you more awareness. Now, the other thing is ideally if you're going into a fat loss phase for a holiday specifically, um, honestly, guys, plan your fat loss phase ahead of advance, like ahead in advance so that – you're coming in and you're finishing your fat loss phase a couple of months before you go away and then start reverse dieting out of your fat loss phase before you get to your holidays. So, you know, you've got two months of reverse dieting, making sure that you can actually maintain your your weight. And then when you get to holidays, you've got nothing to worry about. That's plan A. That's plan A. Yeah. But oftentimes it doesn't happen like that. Most people leave it to the last minute. Yeah, I think that's what I did. I left it till the last yeah. minute. Because <laughs> yes. yeah. you don't realise if you're going to do a, a fat loss phase, it's nothing for a fat loss phase to, to be 12 weeks. Exactly. I would say very few fat loss phases are less. Yeah, and it just dep- and also depends on how much fat you actually want to drop. Yeah. It, it, there's so many – there is so many different variables and there are so many – different um, ways to approach it. And like I said, coming back to the beginning, it does really depend on the person that you are. You might be somebody that doesn't have an issue or a poor relationship with food, They that you don't tend to overeat. You could fall into a category of being very mindful for the week and not actually tracking. But for the most people that have, have come into both Train With Ash and the Fat Loss Forever Method, most people don't have that skill yet. So, And then lastly, just in case you still haven't decided and you're thinking, you know what, I have had to diet down to 1,600 calories, 1,900 is not going to be enough, but I don't care, YOLO, I'm still (laughs) going to do it, fat cell hyperplasia. So it is now believed that you are born with a certain amount of fat cells and as you gain weight, the fat cells grow like a balloon, and as you lose weight, the fat cells shrink 
However, they now believe you can grow new fat cells, which they call fat cell hyperplasia, which if you've been through a period of restriction, so say a deficit for 12 weeks or 16 weeks, that could be enough that if you then come back into a big surplus, that your body may have seen that restriction as when, when you're in a deficit, your body thinks you're dying. It doesn't understand Cheryl's pool parties coming <laughs> up. It sees not enough food and eating its own effectively stored fuel or stored food as body fat, consuming that, it sees it's you, it doesn't want to do that because it knows the end result of that is eventually death. So it will look, they now believe that you can grow brand new fat cells. Exactly. So and that, it, that was actually one thing that when I was, when I really first get it, got into fat loss, that was the thing that kind of freaked me out and it made so much sense. Yeah. When you look at the people that do their eight-week challenges or whatever it might be um, and then they put all the weight back on, like that's exactly what has happened. And they're like, I just can't, you know, I'm doing the exact same challenge again but I just can't seem to shake this weight like I did the first time. And they're like, oh, I think my metabolism's broken. Yeah. It, you know, it seems like now I just look at a donut and it sticks to me or I feel like I'm I'm podgier in this this area or that area. And yeah, that's that's what that'll be. Yeah, 100%. And then once you've grown those new fat cells, you now own them. You can't get rid of those new fat cells without surgery. So now you've got additional fat cells that will grow and shrink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you nailed that. Um, the other thing just quickly before we head into the next question is what do you do when you get back from a holiday? So if you have gone YOLO, um, and you know, do you go straight back to maintenance or go continue in a calorie deficit? Personally, I would go back to maintenance. Um, I would find, you will find that after a week or two of coming back to maintenance, that depends on how YOLO you went, that, you know, things should start to even out for you. Um, but it depends on the length of the holiday and how YOLO you went. I would go back to the fat loss phase. I would go back down to those 1600. I'd probably do like two weeks at that 1600 and then reverse back up you know 1650 the following week there you go there's two different opinions you Mm. can do it there's no right or wrong way guys just depends on the person and i think it's a good example because we do have i don't think either one of us disagrees with the other person i think it's just i understand that you operate a certain way you understand that i operate a certain way and different approaches will work better for different people yeah 100 percent. cool question number three ah you get to answer this one you lucky duck Maybe we can share it. All right. Top five exercises to build muscle. Yay. All right. Box jump burpees. Um, no. Oh. Definitely not box oh. jump burpees. Actually, I remember doing those. They were fun. They were Remember fun. we had a you burpee? You were very good at them. Well, maybe that's why they were fun because I was good at them. You are very we good We should at have them. another burpee challenge. Wow. It's been, I reckon, two years since we've done burpees. Wow. Yeah. One set of 10. Yeah. We did a set of 10 and filmed it for the gram. What was that? It was a competition. Yeah. At the end of our workout. It was just to see who. Yeah, who could. We were like, I think we were watching someone doing burpees and we were like, remember when we used to be so good at this? <laughs> yes. And then yes. we were like, let's do a, a 10 burpee competition. I think we did it in maybe 20 seconds or something. And that was no, after. It'd be less than that. Come on. Really? Surely 12, 13 seconds, I reckon, for 10. Oh, maybe. I was trying to think. I don't know. Brother. <laughs> He's like, eh. I, I do have the video somewhere, so we'll have a look. Okay. Um. 
but it's definitely not that exercise. Okay. There are five of my favourite exercises. Now, there will be some people that I guess don't fall into the category of being able to do these because of, you know, potential, you know, uh, injury, surgery, whatever. Um, But I always think it's really important as well. As I'm saying these, if you're like, I don't like that, my, my this hurts or my that hurts, is to find out why that part of your body hurts because it may be because your technique is off. It may be because, you know, um, you have got poor mobility in that that area. So my favorite would be to start with, and it's to be honest, not my actual favorite exercise. I'm really bad at them, but it is my favorite for building muscle, which is a squat or a squat variation, which would, you know, when I talk about variations, um, you know, you've got a squat, but you've also, you can do split squats, you can do lunges, you can do goblet squats, barbell squats, all that kind of stuff. So a squat variation would be probably my number one. Um, there are so many people that don't like that exercise. Squats. Yeah. You're, Brad's very good at them. He has got very good mobility um, in his squats and it just – he has a nice-looking squat, whereas I just look like a giraffe squatting. Like uh, what, a giraffe? A giraffe squatting. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have really good mobility as well. I do – and I think part of the reason that I don't like it is I do get a little bit of hip shift because I have got um, a hip – issue like and I've always had it since I had Casey just being a mum and carrying your baby on one side Mm. you can actually see it it's not as bad as it used to be because I worked on it a lot but you can actually see it if I'm standing you can see that one hip kind of sits higher than the other um, and that carries over into my squat Um, the next one would be a deadlift or a deadlift variation they're my favorite there you go actually do you prefer squats or deads oh deads 100% oh wow me too yeah um so, yeah, so deadlift variation, um, a bench press. Well, you haven't talked about deadlift variations. What's oh. some examples? Oh, there you go. Um, you've got your barbell conventional deadlift. You can do a, a stiff-legged deadlift. You can do a Romanian deadlift. You can do a trap bar deadlift. You single leg. Single leg deadlifts. A lot of people avoid those, but they're really, really good. They are such a good exercise. They suck. They do suck, and that's why a lot of people avoid them because they don't have the balance to do them. Yep. You could also do a B-stance deadlift Um if you don't quite yet have the stability to be able to do a single leg deadlift and work up to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that deadlifts are – why? well, how come they're your favourite? Um, it just feels like you can put – in a squat, it just feels like, I don't know, you, not, you can like – I'm can better give, at them, that's You can why. give everything <laughs> into your deadlift and worst case scenario, you just let go of the bar. You can't. Like you you, you just can't get it off the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas just getting stuck at the bottom of the squat, even if you've got a spotter, it can just – it just sucks sometimes, yeah, doesn't I agree. it? You either got to try and flick it off and kill your spotter <laughs> you don't, don't kill your spot, <laughs> don't, guys. It depends if you know him or not. You might have asked someone for a spot, a stranger. Well, Ask a stranger. Ask a stranger for a spot, guys. Um, yeah, I would say because I'm better at them. Yep. Like my squat is just a exercise that I've always really struggled with. I'm very tall. If you, if no one's ever met me in person before, I'm actually six three. 
I'm not 6'3". Wow. It's a 6'4". Actually, the doctor measured me today and she's like 180 centimetres. I'm like, I'm not 180 centimetres. I've got like a massive bun on yeah, the top of the my head. Yeah, got a massive mum bun up there. And she's like, she did not measure past my bun. I was like, wow. <laughs> it was all twisted too. <laughs> I don't think she really cared too much about the height thing. She's just like tall. <laughs> she, she just, just wrote, wrote tall. Yeah, she wrote tall. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm 176 centimetres, but yeah, I'm just tall. You've got, um, most, most of your height. So, uh, your height comes from your legs. Yes. So you've got long femurs. And so setting up in your squat, the way that your squat looks, if people are not an expert in how there's no such thing as a perfect squat, there's a perfect squat for you. Yes. Every if you are trying to give, uh, the exact same cues to every single person that squats, it's not going to work for this, the same cues for you are not going to work for me. So when you say my squat looks nice, it only looks nice because I've picked the right parents and so I got the right length femurs and like the right length legs and torso ratio and then did some mobility so that I can get depth. Whereas the length of your legs compared to the length of your torso means that just due to anatomy and like biomechanics, biomechanics well. that you end up leaning forwards a little bit more. You use that low bar squat position. Yep. But I don't mind your squat. I think it looks okay. Thanks, babe. It's nice of you. It's funny. I have definitely got more used to the look of my squat over the years. Um, I have had lots and lots of help with it. It's, it's just something that, yeah. Your squat's perfect for you. For me, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Cool. Um, so we're doing top five. What was that? Two, three. Number three. What's your third favourite? A bench press. Yes. Brad loves a bench press. Yes. Tell us about your bench press. Um, I don't know what to tell you. Actually, um, while we're on bench press, uh, does it, do you ever program decline bench? No. Ooh, lucky. I was going <laughs> to put you on show. <laughs> no, never. Okay. Never, ever, ever. Don't do decline bench. They don't believe – actually, what is it? They believe that the angles, your shoulders are being pushed up into a shrug so you're not able to keep your, uh, your, uh, your scapula retracted, um, your traps engaged. Um, and they also believe that – what is it? I can't remember what it is about that lower section of chest that is not suitable to be trained in that range of in motion. That plane. In that plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, it's something to do with anatomy and biomechanics. Yeah, your biomechanics. Yeah. Um, but I do like what's, what's flat – what's, what's your favourite, dumbbell or barbell? If I'm honest, I like barbell. Me too. Barbell bench press and the – the main reason that I prefer that is because I do also have a little bit of shoulder bursitis in one shoulder, which it doesn't – I cannot feel it in a barbell yep. bench press. Whereas yep. sometimes it doesn't – it's not extremely painful or anything um, doing it, but, yeah, I, I prefer the barbell. I am on dumbbells at the minute and I'm looking forward to getting back to barbells. There you go. Yeah. You ha it's been a while since you have done dumbbells. Yeah, that's why I did them. And actually, I'm working on getting my incline barbell to be the same number as my flat bench barbell. Which is, for people that don't know, that is a common thing. Your incline is always weaker than yep. your flat bench. Yeah, yeah, correct. So, that's cool. Cool. Uh, can I, I think I know number four. I reckon number four will be a shoulder press. Yeah. Yes. Definitely number four being a shoulder press. This one seems to be more commonly um, 
it commonly comes up as an exercise that some people are restricted in. So some people that do have, you know, really bad shoulders. Which I think is more common than what um, a lot of people might realise. It is such a common thing. In our our modern day way of life, if you're sitting at a desk with your shoulders forward all day or on your phone with your shoulders forward, we just spend so much time in that forward shoulder position that if you're not working on shoulder mobility and thoracic mobility, the chances are, are very high that you you may actually have poor shoulder mobility and not even realise it. And so when you go through the motion of a shoulder press, you may find that you're, you don't quite have that mobility to be able to push all the way through, push your head through at the top. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people, what you, and if you watch anyone at the gym, which to be honest, no one does except for me because I like to just have a look around. Like I'm such a, like a... I don't know, like almost like a people watcher. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you call those people? Stalker, I think. No, <laughs> no. But if you do watch people that have poor shoulder mobility, they will press the dumbbell or the barbell to the ceiling and it's almost, it's forward. So the yeah. barbell, when you do a shoulder press, it's the way that I like to, and I was teaching Casey this the other day because all of a sudden he wanted to pick up dumbbells. I know. And How weird was that? Do bicep curls yeah. and stuff. It's like, what else can I do? I was like, let's do a shoulder press. But I say, you know, push your head through the window. So as you push the barbell or the dumbbell up to the ceiling, not only should it come above, uh, above, above your head, but you almost – it's like poking your head through a window as your arms are above your head, that kind of thing. So if they are – if your arms are forward, that can – that's poor mobility and can lead to injury. Yep. Which is what no one wants. No one wants that. And if you're doing them standing, you'll see a lot of people – if you're doing a standing shoulder press, a lot of people have a, have a very arched back, like they'll have banana back in the standing position, which is something that's also a high risk for lower back injury as well. Yeah, so you just want to make sure that you're not arching too far over. It's common, the arch is more common when the weight's too heavy for you. Yeah, yeah. So if it is, if this is happening to you, drop the weight back. Like no one cares about the weight that you're lifting. People care more about the technique. Actually, we talk, actually, I brought that up. Um, I won't say who it was. I saw a very poor squat and I said to Ash, out of all the times that say we've been in any gym we've ever been in together training, I could not tell you how much weight someone lifted in their squat or deadlift. I could never tell you. I wouldn't know. But if I had seen someone with a nice squat or a nice deadlift, I'll remember that person and I'll know straight away. As soon as I see someone, especially if it's a chick, I don't know if that's sexist, if I see some chick and she's got a killer squat, I'll be like, yeah, that's mad. Look at this. And I'll say to you, look at – now, I couldn't care how much she's got on the barbell. It doesn't matter what she's doing in the dead. I don't care. But if you see someone with an awesome uh, with awesome technique, you 100% remember that. That's so, – so the point I'm trying to make, long story short, if you're lifting to impress someone else, focus on technique. People are much more impressed by technique. Then you've got 100 kilos – over your head that's going to fall, break your banana back. Exactly. But to be honest, when you say impress someone else, it's probably only me, unless you're training in the gym next to me. Like you take a look around and I do. Sometimes I just take a look around and people aren't even giving a crap about what anyone else is doing except for Ashley. And I'm just like, who's that person and what they're doing? (laughs) I'm like, did you see that guy squat? That was so good. Um, So, yeah, so shoulder press was – 
Is that number four? That's number four. Yeah, pe- I bet you people have got their pen, their pen and paper, and they're like, "Yes, we're going to get the best workout ever." They would. I think a lot of people would be so far. They'd be like, oh, "This is too beginner for me." I, w- I thought I was going to get a double tricep backflip kick kickback with an overhead squat reach around. But on a bossy ball. On a half bossy. Did you see that dude doing? Uh, did I share the video of the dude doing sh- uh, bench uh, dumbbell bench? On a Bosu ball, he had giant weights. Um, re- yes, you did. And they yes. looked like they were 50 they kilo They looked like weights. they were 50 kilo weights. He got back to do like a sort of semi-incline or flat, but he used the Bosu ball as his bench and it must have been too much weight and the Bosu ball popped and he had all that weight and he fell straight. His elbow went oh. straight to the ground and I remember he wrote what went wrong, but he's destroyed his arms and everything. Oh. And it was one of those ones like, you know, when you watch the leg press and their leg folds back the wrong oh. way at the top and you just get that instant feeling? It was that because you didn't expect it. And as soon as that ball popped and you realise that that 50 kilos just hit all on his elbow, it was that was horrific. Yeah, that's that's so bad. Um Last one, last, last exercise out of your top five. A row or, ve- or a variation of a row. So like a bent over barbell row or a dumbbell single arm row or a cable row. What actually? Okay, I've got a question Ooh. for you. Actually, I'm on to Penley rows at the minute. They're I like, do like them. They're my current favourite. What is the main exercise that is used in a row variation? Uh, what is the main muscle that's used in a row variation? Your lats. Ooh. Is that the correct Someone answer? knows <laughs> their stuff. <laughs> I'm joking. A lot of people think that in a row that the main muscle group is going to be – so the muscles that run on the inside of your shoulder blades and, and down like your upper to mid-back, like down your spine. So the upper traps, rhomboids and lower traps. All those muscles there, a lot of people – row with the intention of retracting their scapula so like pulling your shoulder blades together or which also has little muscles around like your scapula and your shoulder blades as well Uh, like lots of little muscles all in and around there but they're actually the secondary muscles in most row variations and you want to focus on your lats being the primary mover in a row right yeah 100 percent. and that's something that you often see people like that is a cue, squeeze your shoulder blades. Yes, yes. Um, whereas if you can imagine using your lat to pull the weight. Your lat is the big muscle back there. So everyone will know where the lat is, right? Oh. I can't know. If you don't know where it is, just Google it because it's hard to describe. It's one sort of under your armpit at your back there. Yeah, it runs down. It's the one I'm flexing now. <laughs> Do you know exactly which one that is? Can you see that one? That's the biggest muscle back there and that's where you're going to get the most strength. And so if you're doing a single arm dumbbell row and you're rowing and you're engaging that big lat muscle first, it's going to be the primary muscle that makes uh, makes the weight move and then your secondary and supporting muscles all in and around your scapula and your rhomboids and all that stuff, they will be the supporting muscles, I guess. They'll grow too. But if you focus on them taking the majority of the load, that can often lead to overtraining those very small muscles. They're not designed to do that. The lats are designed to do the majority of the work. Our lats, again, just being in that forward shoulder position, you know, the lats are designed probably more for climbing trees or stuff, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that that our ancestors would have done. And those lat muscles probably used to be much bigger. But now we're... Uh, because the way that we live life has changed, we're probably relying a little bit more on those scapular muscles to do the job of what the lat probably should be doing. Yep, exactly. 
Now, anyone that says that those top five exercises are boring. That happens all the time. Yes. They're like, what Brad said before, those exercises are too beginner. I'm too advanced yes, for that. Yes, yes, yes. Guys, you are never too advanced for those exercises. You cannot, you, you can't be too advanced for a squat. You know, like what, you know, I, I always say, you just if you're if you find it easy, increase the load. You know, lift lift heavier. You don't. Yeah. You know, if you're finding twenty kilos easy, then you need more weight. You could literally build a program doing just those. Yeah, hundred percent. And you would probably find that you'll get more growth than ninety percent of programs out there. They should be the cornerstone of your program, and then on top of those, add in your isolation. You know, I want to grow my biceps a little bit more. Yeah. Cool. Put in some bicep curls. And the same goes with triceps, calves, abs or whatever. Yep, and and don't ever stay in the same rep range forever. So if you're, if you're like, you know what, this is great, I'm going to start doing these, um, you know, these five exercises, incorporating them in, in different variations, just make sure that you are going through the different rep ranges. Don't ever, okay, cool, I'm going to do 8 to 12 reps in and I'm going to do these exercises forever now. It doesn't, doesn't work like S- that. Similar to what we said before, yeah. people will do the drop sets yeah. And they'll notice some, you know, some very short-term muscle growth or the pump or whatever. The same, if you stay in the hypertrophy range, you might find that you're getting some good results. But as your body will look to adapt to that range, your growth will plateau um, and the results will come to a stop. So periodization, cycling through those phases. Yeah. Cool. Question number four, uh, do I really need to reverse diet? Well... You know what? It, yes. It depends. Question number five. <laughs> Honestly, guys, it depends. It, it, it I had like everything. It's everything, every- everything yes. depends. Well, that's why we're here, right? Yes. Yes. If so it was as simple as yes or no, then we'd probably just write an Instagram. You yeah. could just do an Instagram. Do I need thing. to reverse diet? Yes. yes. Or no. No. <laughs> so I guess for those people that. Actually, um, what is a reverse diet? Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. For those people that are listening that don't really know what a reverse diet is, in short, it's a method used to increase your metabolic rate and your TDEE, which is your total number of calories that your body burns each day. So basically, you increase your calories each day, each week, um, by a really small amount so that your body won't usually recognize it as enough of a surplus to store fat. It can be a really scary process. It's, for a lot of people, yeah, the first time through it for sure. It's for sure it's scary. I know there's a lot of go- a lot of ladies that will go through your five day, uh, what's it called, free f- fat loss challenge. Yeah, and you explain in a lot of detail, like there is a whole one night. So this podcast will be an hour. You effectively spend five days explaining reverse dieting. Nearly by the time you go through every facet of reverse dieting, absolutely. And there, and off the back of that, you're giving ladies enough information for them to reverse diet. And so often you'll see ladies join up to the following train with Ash, and they'll say, "I tried it on my own, but it was just I was too scared." Because as soon as your body starts to respond in a certain way you know or I know that that's a positive and you're moving towards your goal but it can just be such a scary experience from the outside not having, you know, 400 chicks in the same group to be able to say, hey, my waist is down three centimetres but, you know, I'm up 500 grams. I haven't done a poo today. (laughs) You know, this isn't working or, you know, what should I do? Do I need to change anything? 
It is such a daunting process. And if you don't have someone there holding your hand and you aren't, you don't have enough self-belief, which is super common in almost everyone, right? Like, I think it's very, very common, yeah. You just, one thing happens and you just automatically assume the worst. Like Brad said, I'm up 500 grams. You haven't taken a poo today. <laughs> like, so then you start to self-doubt. You've yes. got all this and then you've got all this jibber-jabber talking in your brain and then all of a sudden before you know it, you're that scared that you stop. I actually got a message yesterday. I posted Erin's um, before and after photos on the gram and someone messaged me and she's like, I was in your five-day challenge in January and I started it on my own and then I gave up because I was just too scared. Just she didn't have someone there holding her hand and that's effectively what Train With Ash is mm. or for. Yeah. Not only just to have me there but also – the rest of the girls that have been through the process mm. multiple times. And then obviously the Fat Loss Forever method, that's a, a closer contact. Yep. Um, but basically, if you if, do I really need one? It depends. There's a few reasons why you would want to reverse diet. Um, if you have achieved your fat loss goal by cutting calories so your calories are super low now you have actually you've reached your goal but the problem is your calories are so low that you can't maintain it now so you know maybe maybe you have dieted down to maybe 1500 calories to achieve your goal and you're like well what do I do now like this is crap yeah like if yeah if you have dieted down to 1500 or even lower most people go lower i think yeah i think you're being optimistic at 1500 but if you're at 1100 calories you've hit your goal you're not the only way for you to stay there is to continue to eat 1100 calories what it took to get there will be what it takes to stay there exactly so at that point you would be a perfect candidate for a reverse diet so that's that's kind of one group or one population of people now the other one, which is probably the most common, and this is the, the most common that I see with the clientele that come through that work with me. Um, if you haven't yet achieved your fat loss goal, but you have reduced your calories down to, let's say, 1,100 calories, mm. you've done challenges, back-to-back challenges, these wonderful challenges that are, are about you know, eating 1,200 calories – and you yo-yo up and down to the point where you're eating 1,100 calories, but no weight is coming off anymore, okay? So you haven't yet achieved your fat loss goal, but you're like, well, what do I do now? Like, And, and so many chicks fall into that, that category 100%. and they feel like the results have stopped. I'm doing the things I'm meant to do. I'm doing the training. I'm doing my one or two, two sessions a day five days a week plus maybe a Saturday and I might even go for a run on a Sunday as well. I'm restricting all the foods I love. It used to work. It was working. I'm doing the same things I was doing before but it stopped working and that's where a lot of people can blame themselves. They'll fall off the wagon, they'll binge, they'll put the weight back on and then they'll point the finger at themselves and say, I just couldn't stick to it. It's my fault I couldn't stick to it. Exactly. There, there is, I mean, there are a lot of people probably more than you might actually realise that fall into that category. Now, off that category is people that try and stick to that, but then on the weekends, they blow out yeah. their calories. Yeah, so it's those... <laughs> the frosés. <laughs> the frosés and the... Forex golds and the super crisps and the, yes. 
So, I mean, that that's a different kettle of fish, okay? So that comes down to you're restricting during the week and then, you know, binging on the weekend and over the course of the week you think you're eating 1,100 calories but you're eating 5,000 calories on the weekend and it's negating your calorie deficit during the week. So if you... If you do fall into that first part that we're talking about, you know, if you haven't achieved your fat loss goal, but you're eating an unsustainably low amount of calories and you still have weight to lose, then you are a perfect candidate for reverse dieting. Now, there is another reason that I would suggest reverse dieting, um, and it's if you have been on an extreme diet, so like absolutely extreme diet where um, you now have potential hormonal issues, okay? Your main focus there would be to maybe recover your period, recover your hormones, and, and to basically just feel normal again, then that's another person that would fall, fall into the category of reverse dieting. Maybe like, you know, a lot of comp prep girls will do that. Um, reverse diet, well, basically they've hit their goal and they're, they're eating unsustainably low, but also they need to recover. I think that would be mega. That's probably the most popular space um, yes. where reverse dieting would be. You would see it more than anywhere is where a, a comp prep competitor has competed and then they need to walk their way back to – um, eating a reasonable amount of calories. Some of those girls that have good coaches get on stage eating 1,500 calories still. Like some of them do fantastic. I've listened to some podcasts with some of the top chicks and it's extremely impressive what they can achieve. But there's also some people that are maybe either genetically they just can't, maybe they don't have the knowledge or they haven't had a good coach that has expl- you know been able to walk them through the process and they might be on stage at 1,000 or 900 calories. And so, and they've been that way, they've been in those low calories for like three or four months and so they finally finished D-Day and what's the first thing they want to do? Well, they all have their boxes of donuts there. Yeah. Which, I mean, is like that's that's their celebratory thing and you know what, like it is what it is but it doesn't usually stop there. That's – yeah, so having that the donut after 100%, you know, have your big meal, do all that sort of stuff, yeah. That's I think that's 100% and I think there's actually quite uh, some benefits to that as well. But going – what then? Yes. What happens after that? Yeah. If you just go back to – you know, 20, because if these ladies have built quite a bit of muscle mass, you know, their metabolic rate may have been up two and a half thousand, three thousand calories. They may have come from, you know, the more muscle you have, you know, the more food, uh, genetics plays a role, but they may have come from a a space of 2,500, 3,000 calories. If they go straight back to eating that, that's where that fat cell hyperplasia will come in and they can grow new fat cells or, or at the very least, regain the fat that they've lost yeah exactly yeah yeah so i think that covers really quite well like do you need a reverse diet the the answer not everyone needs one um but if you fall into one of those categories we've spoken spoken about then yeah maybe you do um and i think we really covered what what the reverse diet is yep cool okay i think one day we should do a whole podcast just i think on it's re- good yeah just on reverse dieting yeah cool yep. question number 5 protein how much do i actually need and what are some ways to increase it do you want to answer this or do you want me to answer it i don't know well i'm just i feel, I feel like, like we I'm lost Kind of lost our way, didn't we? (laughs) I was like, I feel like I'm talking again too much. You're hogging the mic. Well, Um, that's not like you. No, I don't. I don't talk that much, do I? No, not at all. Um, Okay, so how much protein do you actually need? 
research shows, well, once again, it depends and it depends on your goal. Um, but research shows if you're looking to gain muscle, you, you know, you're wanting to be healthy, you want to maybe lose fat or maintain, um, 1.8 grams to 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight is ideal. Now, there is a, I guess, um, a group of people that might fall into that outlier category and that is if you do have a high body fat percentage so if you have a significant amount of weight to lose you might like to calculate that based off your goal weight rather than your current weight which is because protein when we're calculating how much protein you need the protein in in this instance when we're looking for from a muscle growth or from a fat loss perspective how much protein do you need for the muscle to grow in the most what's the most optimal environment in terms of protein if um if if a lady weighs 150 kilos she's not going to have double the amount of muscle of a lady that weighs 80 kilos or 75 kilos a lot of that 150 kilos may be body fat and so you don't need 150 kilos worth of protein. Exactly. So you'll be effectively calculating it off your muscle mass, which is a very difficult thing to do. So an easy hack, right, is exactly as you've just said, is calculating it off your goal weight, which is going to be fairly close to someone that is actually carrying that amount of muscle mass. Yes, exactly. Um, So that's... Yeah, so that's basically how much you need. So you would just take 1.8 times by body weight, so say 80 kilos kilos, equals, and whatever that number is, that's how many grams of protein per day you should aim to achieve for muscle protein synthesis. Protein, the body doesn't store protein in the way that it stores calories or fuel or food or fat. So it will use it like it uses water. So you will need to, you can't have 300 grams of protein today, 50 grams tomorrow and even it out like you can with your calories. It is something that your body constantly consumes and so you will need to have a daily target for your protein. Yes, um, <clears throat> that's something that actually comes up quite a lot. Um, that question is asked. Yeah, so I'm glad you cleared that up. Um, now, the other part to that is some ways to increase protein now brad has his own little hacks we have like once again we're the opposite with this one right yeah exactly i don't have any issues at all but obviously like my protein target is a lot lower um than yours yours? 120 grams okay so i got i've got like to be honest in the past i've i've it can easily eat 140 grams i used to eat that all the time but realistically based off my body weight 120 grams is what i need um uh, yogurt is one of my favorite, like Greek Chobani yogurt mixed with protein powder is one of my favorite ways to start the day with a high protein meal. I haven't had yogurt for a while at the moment. We're on um, avocado or muffins and I usually have a protein shake with it on the side and I have it with like full cream milk because there's protein in full cream milk as well as your protein powder. Yep. Because um, how much protein is there in a, a Chobani when we used to get the Chobani, I can't remember how many grams of Chobani we it's used to have. It's close to 50 grams of protein. So for, between 40 to 50 grams. It just depends on obviously the amount that you use. But yeah, yeah between 40 and 50 grams of protein yeah. in your Chobani with your scoop of protein powder. And if you add some fruit in there. Yeah. Like. It's an like it is an awesome meal. I used to actually, depending on what calories I was sitting at, but one of my favorite meals was to, I used to get carrot cake. 
and I used to God, here we go. put the carrot cake crumbled up into the yogurt with the um, with the protein powder and then put strawberries in it. Oh, my God. It was like it probably sounds great. Like I would mix it all in there so it was like a mush. It was so good. I haven't had that, but what's those – what are those bars? Those fiber One bars. Fiber One bars, yeah. Put a Fiber One bar in it. Yes. You'll be loving life. Put a Fiber One bar in with your yogurt – in with your scoop of protein yeah. powder. Strawberries. Put strawberries in yeah. as well. Even um, a peanut butter, a bit of peanut butter in there. T- ten but that's high in, high in calories. It is. Yeah. Peanut butter is high in calories, but it depends. You know, like if you're trying to stick to a lower amount of calories, then it – Skip it, the peanut butter. Skip the peanut butter. But and if you're trying to bump up your calories, yes. then, hey, add in extra peanut butter. It's going to help you. Actually, that's something we should talk about um, on one of these podcasts as well is – Ways to get your calories up and ways to get your calories down yep. or, or hitting your protein target depending on where your calorie target is yep. because there's certain oh, – hacks is not the right way – ways of eating. There's certain ways of eating that if you are – a lot of ladies, if someone's listening to this and, they, and they're not in one of your groups and they haven't reverse dieted, this is going to sound crazy. They're going to think like that would never happen to me. But how often do chicks get up to 2,300 calories and struggle to get that much food in? Almost everyone. Almost everyone. And I know if someone's listening, they'll be like, oh, I could get that in, no problem at all. But when you're doing it day, yeah, on a Saturday or a Sunday here or there, but when you do it day in, day out, if you just, if you've been effectively in a diet, so to speak, for your whole life, for 20 years since you're a teenager, you've been on some kind of a diet, your, in your ways of eating when you're on a health kick, you know, so to speak, may be diet oriented. So you may be eating diet foods and trying to just increase the total volume of food that you're eating in order to hit those 2,300 calories. And for a lot of people, that can be really tough. Like that can end up a giant volume of food. And that's where you get things like either adding in peanut butter or taking out peanut butter. How much calories would... Depends on what you use, but it could be anywhere from 60 to maybe just over 100 100 grams, uh, sorry, calories of protein... uh, Far out. This is sleep deprivation. This is sleep, this, yes. guys. So so sorry. Yes. Um. But yeah, sixty-two, say a hundred calories for your small smidgen of peanut butter. Like it's yeah. you know you don't get much peanut butter for that. Um. But it's one thing that can easily add up if you are struggling to get it, and it's an easy takeaway. Yes. Like yes. Like it is such an easy takeaway. Fats are one of like my favorite things to add and take away. Healthy fats. Healthy fats. Yeah. yeah. And it's you won't you, not that you won't tell the difference in flavor, but I've got a fat loss phase protein shake, and I've got a bulking phase protein shake. They taste nearly identical. One's a thousand calories, and one's like three hundred. Yeah, and it's just you can just change the, the 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 way that you're eating, change the types of foods, eliminating diet foods when you're trying to increase the volume of food, and then adding back in not diet foods, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like low, lower calorie. You know, like higher, a, higher volume. Food. Because so many people are so used to being on a diet, they yep. opt for they buy skim milk, they buy light cheese, they buy you know low calorie items. They they favor that because it's like it's trendy, but it's also what they're used to. If you're trying to in- increase calories that's not your friend unless you absolutely love food volume and you don't care you don't have an issue yeah but you want to opt for the full cream milk and the full fat cheese and all that kind of stuff if you're increasing your calories yeah now would there be an upper limit so if someone's listening to this and they're going to set their protein today 
would there be an upper limit of protein that you would recommend? So say someone does a calculation and it comes up to 200 grams a day of protein. Look, if you, if you like eating 200 grams a day of protein, it's not going to harm you. There's been research that shows that you can eat up to four grams of protein per kilogram of body weight and it's not harmful. But if you do pull out that calculation and you're like, what, 200 grams of protein? That, that, like, that is a lot of meat to yeah. eat. Um, and, and mind you, and I just want to clarify this because this question has come up before. That doesn't mean 200 grams of chicken breast. That means that... 200 grams of total protein value out of the amount of meat that you eat. So roughly speaking, 100 grams of chicken breast is just over 20 grams of protein, just to give you an idea. So that's 200 grams of that. That can be a lot. So then I would calculate it off your goal weight um, because I don't even know what 200 grams would would be, what body weight you would be, but I would then calculate it off your off your goal weight. You can always always lower it, um, and then you know, say you start at you lower it to your goal weight, and say it's still a little bit of a struggle. You could lower it a little bit more, and then each week aim to go. Okay, well this week I'm going to try and aim for say let's say 120, and then next week I want to aim for 130, and build it up and build it up until you get to a comfortable amount. Because once you start getting the hang of it, and you, you're like, oh okay, well really all I need to have is yogurt in the morning and. Um, or maybe a protein shake and then at at lunch and dinner if I have 200 grams of chicken breast at lunch and 200 grams of steak at dinner oh wow I've met my protein target once you get yeah once you commit to the process and you plan a day out in advance and that's the other thing I think people get caught entering their food as they go yeah and they find they get to the afternoon they've had a great day of eating they've got a big fat smile on their face and they've only had half their protein and they go, how on earth do you ever get 100 and – what was yours, 120? 120, yeah. How on earth do you ever get to 120? I'm only at 60 and I've only got dinner to go. Like I'm going to have to eat, you know, four steaks tonight <laughs> to try and <laughs> – And nothing else. And nothing else yeah. to try and get to my target. So planning out ahead, it doesn't have to happen forever. It's just like learning to drive. Just once you get used to it, it's it becomes very um, second nature. Mm. Plan your day out ahead. So put your jabani – with your protein powder and your peanut butter in there, then go to your lunch, right, I'm going to have a chicken wrap or something like that. And then for dinner, I'm going to have steak and veg, which I know sounds boring, but just as an example. And you might go, cool, there's 130 grams of protein there. I only need 120. Okay, am I going to pull back? Am I going to make adjustments? Or I need 150. All right, cool, I need to find 20 grams of protein somewhere throughout that day. Add in a protein shake. Add in a protein shake, Yeah. yeah. Or have protein water and then it's it's quite, you know, it's quite easy. So many people will get caught out. Like when we're doing our, well, the check-ins, the Monday check-ins, running through um, like uh, that one thing I check is their protein target, right? So running through all of their protein targets and I'll see sometimes people have missed their protein target by 15 grams. Now we don't have like a strict, you must hit 120 Three grams of protein. What do you allow? Do you allow like There's a, a 10 gram. Yes. A okay. 10 gram buffer. Yes, okay. Yes. So if you if it's 123, if you have 113, you know, you're fine. Yeah. Um, Is that or that'll be set in your spreadsheet automatically? Yes. Yep. In the what we call the weekly wins tracker. Yeah. So yeah, so so that's that's there. Now 
sometimes I'll see people miss that target, like that buffer by say three grams. And whilst it's not the end of the world, we've got what I call is like a green tick system, which is just checking the KPIs for your minimum targets for the week. And, you know, did you meet your calorie target for the week within your allowance? Did you meet your protein target each day within your allowance? And did you do let's say your three training sessions, like that's the minimum. There's no extremes. It's very, very doable. That's the things that they have to do each week to hit their goal. So if they want to lose X weight by X day or gain X muscle by X day, you've set up their whole strategy to hit that goal. Yeah. And then all they have to do is just get those three green ticks. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, like I said, it's not hard. It's not, you know, Cheryl, you must have 1,500 calories per day on the nose. Do not eat one calorie over or under. If you want to have 2,000 calories today and 3,000 calories tomorrow and 1,500 calories the next day, that's fine Yeah. as long as you've got the weekly budget. And there's even a 100-calorie budget for the week as well. But so like a buffer. There's a buffer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when people miss it by three grams, which I have been under by three grams – I literally, I just get a, te- I just get a t- teaspoon. Yep. I just put protein powder on my tongue, and I just smush it down with a glass of water. Exactly. I but mean, I wouldn't. That's pretty extreme. Like I would put, I'd actually mix it like a teaspoon with a little bit of water and drink it because I feel like I'd choke on the. You pro- don't powder. breathe in. Yeah. Do yeah. not breathe in when you do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly. Like. Yeah. That is so easy. When I see them missing the three grams, I'm like, oh my gosh, you could have had a teaspoon of protein powder and and this would have been and and it's like it would have been like i don't know less than 30 calories yes you know like it's like nothing you've got your 100 calorie buffer yeah so there's enough there for it exactly yeah um should you have uh higher calories protein during a reverse diet fat loss phase does it matter yeah good just before we before we wrap up we're nearly there um so during a fat loss phase it's more important to have higher protein than it is during a reverse diet and the reason being is that during a fat loss phase you're in a calorie deficit muscle is an expensive currency to the body so your body it doesn't like that you're in a deficit, so it starts to pare down muscle as a natural response that, hey, you're in a calorie deficit, we need to keep you alive. Muscle is expensive, so we're going to, you know, omit that. Because the more muscle you have? The more calories that you burn. Yeah. So um, as a result of increasing your protein, that helps. It doesn't completely um, eliminate, eliminate yep. muscle, muscle loss, but it does help maintain it yeah so it is more important to to increase it yeah so so as you lose weight if you lose 10 kilos a certain amount of that will be muscle and a certain amount of that will be fat and so ideally you want to have the most amount body fat possible and the least amount muscle mass possible so when you get to the end of your fat loss phase it'll be it would have a been more effective because if you're holding more muscle mass then you're still uh, burning more calories automatically per day yeah as opposed to manually um, and the the best environment for that is higher protein levels exactly and it will it will always come down to the type of training that you're doing as well like that does play a role like all of these things go hand in hand but yeah that's important cool I think we made it we did it. Do you want to wrap this up? Yes. Guys, thank you for tuning in to, I was about to say episode four, but it's five, episode five. Um, we had a lot of fun. This one was good. This yeah. is good. Even though we were nearly asleep. Yeah. Look, it's, 
The afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you don't already follow me over on Instagram, please go over there. Say hello. Um, My Instagram handle is ash underscore underscore lane. Brad always says don't bother following him. Don't follow me. He's got 300 followers. It's growing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, And if you'd like to find out more about either Train With Ash or the Fat Loss Forever Method, which we are actually taking applications for one-on-one coaching through the Fat Loss Forever Method, starting the 31st of May, please head to my website. The link is in the show notes. But just in case, it is www.ash.com. Uh, ashlane.com.au. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.